Welcome to A Canadian Investing in the U.S., a podcast and YouTube channel focused on Canadians buying real estate with host Glenn Sutherland. Welcome to another episode of A Canadian Investing in the U.S. This week, my guest is Anthony Guarneri. Uh, Anthony, let's start by giving uh, people an introduction to yourself, what you do, who you are, I mean, how, a little bit of your story, how you got into this. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, again, my name is Anthony. I, I've been, and you actually said my name really well, so, so thanks for that. Yeah. that was good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and uh, I work with a, a private real estate group called uh, Group RMC. Uh, it's uh, essentially a real estate co-investment group. We've been buying assets since the 80s. Uh, the family who started Group RMC is the massive family. And uh, we, we started off just a handful of families buying assets in Texas during the savings and loans crisis when you know, nobody wanted to invest there and we just accumulated as many assets as we could. Uh, and it started off you know, just a handful of families, whereas today we're you know, over maybe 700, almost 800 investors or so um, as our co-investing group. Uh, and what started off as something very small uh, over time, today we actually grew quietly into one of the largest landlords in several of the different markets that we're in. Uh, we're at about... Uh, uh, 20, uh, 2.5 billion in assets, 21 million square feet. And my role with the firm is I essentially work with a bunch of different investors uh, just to kind of walk everybody through the deals that we get access to uh, and, and you know help them educate themselves on the actual markets that we're in and, and just make new friends, right? So the more we're able to grow our co-investment group, well, the more firepower we have to, to take down more deals and, more pro- and acquire more, more, more property together. And whereabouts are you guys located? So uh, I, the family is originally from Montreal, Canada, and that's where I'm based. And uh, we then um, moved into the U.S. So we also have an office in New York. And so our, th- those are our two main offices. And then we have uh, s- uh, some other satellite offices as well. So we have one in Columbus. Uh, we just opened up one in, in Florida and, uh, and another one, a small one in Chicago as well. And our assets, where we're buying our properties, are actually in secondary markets in the U.S. So markets like we're you know one of the largest landlords in Kansas City, one of the largest landlords in uh, Columbus, Ohio, uh, Memphis. Uh, we just actually made our first acquisition in Houston and um, Jacksonville as well. Jacksonville, Florida was also very recent as, as well, but very much secondary markets in the U.S. Cool. I don't know if Houston is a secondary market. It's a pretty big market. <laughs> it's a big secondary market. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a non-gateway city, essentially. Okay. All right. Yeah. No, sorry. I'm just busting you a little bit. Um, yeah. No, it's true. <laughs> so, so you guys are, uh, you're buying these. Um, without asking like stupid questions, because we've already had a little brief conversation and we actually were on the phone, I think a couple months ago as well. Um, yeah. You're not buying multi-residential. Uh, what are you buying? Mm-hmm. What are you guys doing? So our focus is in much larger uh, portfolios. So going back to how we're structured, again, we are a co-investment group. Um, and it's all about the, our ability to raise the equity required and to go after the deals that we want to be buying. And the deals we want to be buying are in a much larger scale of 100 to $300 million. So that's our target. And we're focusing uh, in office space. So 100% of what we're buying is institutional from institutions uh, office real estate portfolio. So that's 100% of our focus right now. I'm just like, when we talk about office right now, is 
is that a scary spot to be in? Like, how do you make it safe in, in doing offices? Because, you know, uh, um, some of my friends are working from home. Uh, I don't have a job anymore, but, you know, <laughs> I, you know, there's a lot of uh, homeworking. Uh, does a uh, um, is that make create an opportunity? Um, is that make you? Is that create a fear? Like, what? What do you? How do you deal with that? Yeah. Well, I mean, look. I, I, on the onset, and again, 100 percent of our assets right now are in office, right? So on on the onset of the pandemic, we obviously were a little concerned, but not because we just didn't know where, where things were going to land, right? So the first thing we did is we we ramped up our cash reserves, we lowered our LTV just to make sure that the properties were cash rich, should we have to face any headwinds. Um, the reality is we didn't have to. Our rent collections remained 98, 99% throughout. Um, our occupancy actually went up uh, throughout the pandemic. And um, and because we were really well capitalized and our, our properties were just ended up performing really, really well, we were actually able to focus our efforts and our, and our capital, instead of putting out fires, actually in growing and buying from uh, other groups who maybe weren't as well prepared or as well capitalized. So for us, I mean, we're really happy with the way things went. There was no way we could have predicted how well things went. But what I'll say is, um, and this kind of ties into a little bit of our investment philosophy, but, you know, if things were not going to go well, like if we were going to have a hard time collecting rent and, you know, therefore a hard time paying mortgages and, and maintaining the properties, um, if that was going to happen, we have a really, really big buffer. So because of the price point that we have and our, our, um, our acquisition, our cost basis of the, of the deals that we have, because of how low they are, we could actually go to about half empty. So we could be at about 50 to 55% occupancy across our portfolio and still be in the black, still be able to run the properties, uh, you, know, you know, maintain, maintain uh, mortgage payments and replenish cash reserves and everything. So, so for us, that was something that we were, because that we could actually control, right? What you pay for, like as an investor, the only thing you can control when you're making an investment is what you pay for something. Then you can't predict what's going to happen in the future. And, and that's a big part of it, right? Because we had such a low cost basis, we were going to be okay should things have not gone well. Um, and, and now we're, we're, you know, because like I said, because we're well capitalized, we've actually been able to focus our efforts in growing. We, we've acquired about, uh, about 5 million square feet of new deals uh, since, since uh, called June of, of 20, uh, June of 2020, right? We've been trying to gobble up as much as we can because it's a great time to be buying right now. Not a ton of competitive competition out there when you're bidding on assets. Uh, and it's even, like we're getting an even lower cost basis because of it. So what, like, what is your buying criteria? Like, what are you looking for? Do you see, like, is it a big skyscraper? What, what is it that you're looking for in, in deals? Yeah, the main thing that drives us is value. So we, so we're not we're not really tied to any one specific market. Yeah. What's really going to drive us is value. So what I mean by value is if we're, and this is often the case across our portfolio, we often buy or acquire assets from uh, typically end of life funds or um, institutions that are kind of going through any, like some liquidity issue and they need to sell. In most cases, it's non-economic reasons. So the seller's selling for non-economic reasons, which gives the buyer a lot more buying power, right? And so that's uh, really the main driver for us, okay? So it's really about the cost basis, again, going back to the one thing you can control is what you pay for something. Typically, what we look for is multi-tenant. So we don't like single-tenant. We, we don't do single-tenant buildings. So we like a nice diversified portfolio. 
uh, again, low cost basis. And also by default, because you got a very low cost basis, your cash yield is very high because you're collecting rent from a ton of different tenants. And because your cost basis is so low, our cap rates are, generally, are, are typically in the seven to 10 cap. And so even at a lower occupancy, we're, even, we're still able to, to, to distribute a lot, of, uh, a lot of free cash for a lot of distributions for our co-investors. So those are the main criteria that we look for. And we look for them in secondary non-gateway cities where you don't have um, you know, as much flow of funds as you do in the hotter markets like the San Francisco of the world, like the, like the New Yorks of the world, right? When I started investing in the U.S., I did it by myself and had to go through the growing pains of doing that. GlennSutherland.com slash coaching. A 12-week coaching program done one hour per week over Zoom from the comfort of your own home. Classes are kept to five people to be able to answer everyone's questions. Shortcut the process. Make fewer mistakes. Curriculum available at GlennSutherland.com slash coaching. Okay. And then, so I'm, I'm guessing you're buying from people who have syndicated deals and you know, a typical syndication, they've done like a five or seven year hold and they've run their course. And that's why they're looking to, like, as you're saying, it wasn't necessarily market drivers, why they were looking to get out. It was more that it's run its course and they, you know, right. they have a, basically a, a deal with the investors for a certain amount of time with the money is that what you guys are as well. Are you, are you doing the same thing? Do you have a certain time frame on this? No, we're, 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 we're essentially perpetual equity. We just want to be good landlords. Our, the main driver of those types of structures, right, those five-year, seven-year structures is, is typically because it, the manager is getting an exit uh, or, or a carry or a performance vehicle. And so they're motivated to sell, right? That's their reason of existence is to capture that performance view, not being good landlords. Our goal is really just to be really good landlords. So we, again, get in as low as a cost basis as we can. And then we, we aim to cultivate these assets. We look to increase occupancy, reduce expenses, bump up rents, and make it more profitable down the line. And, and so, you know, we, we don't invest in the asset with the idea of selling. We invest in the asset with the idea of de-risking from that asset through distributions and refinances, which is much, much, much more in your control as an investor. You could do those, you know, as per you know, as you see fit, rather than trying to predict five years down the line, uh, you know, I'm going to, I'm going to sell this thing five years down the line. Well, what if five years down the line is, is March of 2020, right? Like <laughs> you, you can't, you, you can't possibly do that. So that's, that's why we just rather be more, we're not opposed to selling. Uh, it's just, we'd rather have the price dictate the time of sale rather than the time of sale dictate the price, if that makes any sense. So, so, you know, we, uh, we like I said, we just aim to be good landlords. We aim to de-risk um, out of the assets. Uh, typically, seven to eight to nine years, yep. we got all our initial equity back, and we own the asset free and clear. And that asset is generating more distributions, more refinances. And the other thing is, once you once you have an asset that's generating so much free cash flow, you're gonna sell it and buy what? Like you're gonna where, where am I going to find another 10 cap or, you know, it's not easy. Right. And so that's why we're not huge on selling. Uh, and you get to defer that tax bill down the road as much as you can. Right. Like that's the other thing, right. The, the, the day you sell an asset is the day you really get it on taxes. You just want to defer that in the future as much as you can. Okay. So then your, your investors, it's, they're having to commit uh, long-term money to these projects. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I'm guessing it's the same sort of thing as a typical syndication where they have to ride this out. There's not a way to get your money out partway through. Yeah, we 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 uh, we often have margins uh, out. We do have sometimes uh, investors who you know life happens and they they know going in that we're perpetual equity, but they you know they um, they, they need the money. You know it does happen, and so we yep. we facilitate secondary trades. We will the, the GP can buy actually buy back units. Uh, our other co investors could often buy back units. So we we never want anybody to feel stuck. Uh, the idea is that we want to invest, you know, alongside like-minded partners, guys who see or people who see the the, the long-term benefit or the benefit of holding real estate long-term, not simply, you know, getting hit with a bunch of transaction costs and selling every, you know, every two three years, in 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 that way. And I, uh, being in the office play, uh, space is a little bit different than what I usually hear from most uh, syndicators or anything else. Um, why, why office space over doing commercial or over doing um, multi-res? Uh, yeah, well, so I mean, commercial, I guess you mean by like- You know, like the big industrial uh, buildings. Or, yeah. Industrial, okay, yeah. So or whatever, whichever way you want to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, look, we're not, the bottom line is we're not pigeonholed in office. Um, office offers a really uh, office offers a very interesting uh, proposition, which is especially when you're going into institutional quality assets, because you're getting institutional quality tenants, you're getting a diverse pool of tenants. So you never have one tenant that kind of has by the neck in terms of you know rent increases. You you know you 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 as a landlord will have a little bit more power if a tenant takes up five percent versus if he takes up fifty percent of your. Of your of your building, right? So we like that multi-tenant, you know, class A tenant, uh, and office. You have multi-year, five-year, ten-year, twelve-year leases, right? So your your revenue is, is is contractual, and when you partner your contractual revenue essentially with contractual expenses, like we lock, we essentially do most for most of our uh, assets, we do ten-year CMBS loans. Our third-party property management contracts are, you know, five-year, seven-year contracts. So when you lock in your your expenses for ten years and you have a, a contractual revenue for 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 X amount of years, your free cash flow becomes pretty predictable. We love that model. We love the predictability of the cash flow. So that's what we like office, and we're not opposed to ever going into residential. Um, industrial right now is way too expensive. Like, I mean, you have to really ride that wave, and that's typically things that we we, we don't we don't like riding momentum. Like that's actually the opposite of what we do. We just look for more quieter markets, more value play. Um, so we don't want to ride that momentum. And similar similar with, with multi-red. I mean, it's, you know, people have done really, really well uh, over the past couple of years in, in, uh, in multi-red because prices keep going up and it's great, but sometimes they might not go up, right? And so we don't, we just don't want to play that personally in, in, in that game. Um, but I mean, if ever one day, you know, we see a really nice value playing residential, there's nothing stopping us from, from going in and buying it. We've done residential in the past. Yeah. And you mentioned value there. Um, so value add for an office building. What, what is value add for an office building? Yeah. So value add for an office building. Well, first value for an office is, you know, obviously getting in at an interesting price. Yeah. Value add is the way we look at it because we, we often do sometimes just outright stabilize, you know, 85, 90% occupancy deals at a 10 cap and there's not much to do but sit back and 
you know, just collect the rent checks, right? right? But sometimes we do also have um, some deals, like one, the one that we, we acquired in Houston, where it's a 65% occupancy. So the, the, the business plan there is to lease that up, right? And, and, and continue to look to reduce expenses and bump up rents as we go. And we actually picked that up on a really nice, um, we picked up that deal at a very interesting point when leasing momentum was just skyrocketing. It was just like just going up. They leased out of a, a half a million square foot building, they leased 110,000 square feet even throughout COVID, right? So it was really riding a really nice leasing momentum. And the nice thing about real estate in general is when you, when you bring up your occupancy from 65 to 67 to 70, you, that's essentially, it's increasing the value of the asset, right? So your appraisal is getting higher, you can refinance more down the line and so on. But more interestingly, that's a straight dollar to bottom line, right? So there's no, there, you're not, your expenses aren't going up and your cash flow is going up, right? So, so that's, you know, that's where we create the value is just, again, being good landlords and, and filling up the space. And, and we've been doing it for many years. So, you know, we do have a track record of doing that. Uh, and we're again very well known in our markets, um, which which definitely helps us out. Uh, but that's the idea, right? Buy at, at a good price, make sure that it's low enough so that you don't run out of money, because that's a, a big mistake that a lot of, uh, especially in the office space, a lot of investors kind of go in thinking, yeah, we're gonna you know we're gonna hit this out of the park and it's gonna be great, but then they go raise their thing on cash reserves. Yeah, well, you you better get you better everything better go exactly according to the plan because uh yeah you, you know it's, it's tough right yeah so so that, that that's essentially it. that that's essentially how we work we you know we get it at a good price lease up space bring up occupancy increase cash flow refinance and then create value for our investors yeah because it's a lot different than doing the multi-res like with the value add um because you, you're, you're not in charge of any utilities probably um i'm assuming some of these are triple net you're they're in charge of everything they're in charge of taxes mm -hmm the whole ride so it's just get people get bodies in there that's exactly it yeah you know so uh do you do your own leasing or do you have a, a separate leasing company to fill these things in for you third party uh yeah we we focus very much on the deal acquisition and due diligence and yep. then we'll put third-party managers cbre collars Cushman, whatever it's we, we like to use you know national companies with boots on the ground and especially in the u.s like Again, we're 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 you know we're originally from from Canada. We still like Canadian base, but Canada is a bit of a different market. The U.S. man, if you can't you can't scale to the level of these national companies, you cannot compete with them. So it's it's just it's much more economical. They have a um, they already have the, the infrastructure in place. You plug into it, and now because you know it's um, we have um, we have a pretty good size. You know when we go to CBRE and we say you know here's three or five or whatever million square feet for you to manage, you tend to get the senior guy or the senior leasing uh, 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 leasing guy or leasing agent or, or the senior property manager in for the building. Yep. So you have, uh, you know, the best guy, you, know, you have the number one leasing agent 25 years running, running your property and filling up your space. That actually adds value. Like how you were asking how, you, how we create value. That's a way that we create values. We will get the best guy. Best. Uh, yep. And, and then you feel, they you feel like all the different stores and everything. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> yep. Awesome. Before I let you go, Anthony, um, you want anything you want to say about the, your company, do a little self-promote um, and some contact information. 
Yeah, look, I mean, we're, we're, we look for, we speak with, um, uh, you know, we have co-investors pretty much all over the world and, and it's really about partnering up with the right people. So we're, we're always happy, again, for us, we're always happy partnering up with, with the new investors, it'd be, seeing it be a good fit. Um, for us, it, again, it gives us more firepower to want to take on these deals and, and, you know, in return, investors are getting access to deals that you can't really buy on, you can't really invest in a hundred or 200, 300 million dollar deal on your own. So that's why the co-investment group is so powerful, right? We can, we can get together, pool our assets and go after these massive institutional deals, uh, you know, deals from like, we did 40 for Blackstone, UBS, uh, Hertz Investment Portfolio, uh, a ton of, a ton, from a ton, a ton of different groups. And, um, and, uh, and yeah, and so, you know, we're always looking for the right people to work with. Uh, so if ever there's anybody who's interested, you know, we're happy to, to get to know them and see if there's any synergy. So if they are interested, uh, they contact you, yeah, they, they contact your website. What was the best way to track you guys? Down? Yeah, look, I, I guess I'll, uh, I, I will give uh, my, my email address. I guess would be the best way. So it's, it's Anthony uh, at uh, grouprmcusa.com. Um, and yeah, just for me an email for, for me and all super happy to, to get, uh, uh, to jump on a call and go over any questions and, and just see if there's a good fit. Awesome. Anthony, thank you for coming on the show. Um, it's an angle that I don't, I've never tackled on the show with the, the office space. So it's, uh, very interesting. I, I like it. I like it. It's a lot of, it's, 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 it's nice to take out some of the issues that exist in multi-res with this tenants and utilities and all this, these little things that you have to deal with. It's a lot less to, uh, you just, it's bigger swoops, but uh, a little bit less headaches, I think. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, they're different, I'll say. Different, but, different uh, headaches. But, yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, there's definitely some good, some good value to, to find and, um, yeah, and so, so I mean, we're, we're very happy, and, and I want to thank you as well. I mean, uh, great, you have a great, uh, great show. Uh, I, I've been watching them more and more as I got to know you now, so like now I get to see them a little bit more often. And, and honestly, super great job with with, uh, with running the I was gonna say the title is perfect for me, it was we're essentially Canadians buying, yeah, buying properties in the US, right? So I, I thought it was, it, was, it was quite fitting. Awesome, once again, Anthony, thank you for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Thanks, man.